Welcome back, one and all. Mike Farrell's Sports Talk Show is upon you. My name is Adam, and Mike Farrell is with me again for this week. Mike, uh, a nice, interesting week in college football. Some uh, some interesting results that we have to absolutely get into. Uh, I definitely want to make sure we talk about that Clemson team that you said was number two. It turns out the wrong kind of number two. But let's start off with this. The game of the, of the weekend, maybe the game of the season so far, uh, Georgia-Tennessee obviously in Georgia, a Tennessee team that had been just running rough shot offensively through all the teams in the SEC, including one Alabama, a Georgia defense, which we weren't really sure what to expect. They seemed like they were still pretty good, but lost a lot from, from last year. Uh, Georgia had been a little bit up and down, so never knew what to expect here. And what you got, Mike, was really Georgia just handled Tennessee from start to finish uh, a, a nice, easy victory in some respects for, uh, for the Bulldogs, Mike. So big takeaway from you out of this contest is what? Uh, George is better than we thought. I mean, you know, they were favored by nine, eight and a half. That it was a is a wonky line. It was kind of weird. Why would the number one team in the country that nobody could stop offensively be, you know, a nine point underdog on the road? Um, but I think people knew something, and the something that we've learned that they knew is that the the way to defeat this Tennessee uh, offense with their wide splits is to play press coverage and blitz leave your corners and safeties out there to do their job uh, and get after Hendon Hooker. It could be the same blitz over and over again. It could be different blitz, different looks. But if you can do that, you can beat Tennessee. Alabama couldn't, which is it's odd because Nick Saban's the D-back guru of the world, and they always have five-star kids, but they couldn't match up properly. Um, Georgia, their corners, their safeties were able to play press and, and handle the wide receiver core on their own. And this is with Cedric Tillman. So it's extremely impressive. Um, and I think Georgia's by far the best team in the country. I don't think there's really any – I think Tennessee could be the be second best team in the country. Um, I don't think there's really any debate here that Georgia is head and shoulders above everybody else at this point. Yeah, look, I, I am a uh, Josh Heupel truther, right? So uh, for full transparency, I cover UCF uh, in my uh, other spare time here. Obviously, Heupel was the uh, the head coach at UCF. And there were certainly two teams that always gave Josh Heupel problems at UCF. And they ran two very similar style defenses. That was Cincinnati and Tulsa. It was a three-three-five defense. You roll your coverage to the outside to, to pick up some of the, um, you know, some of the screen passes, and you get pressure on the quarterback. And if you do those things, Heupel's offense, unfortunately, just isn't one of these systems that can can make big adjustments and respond. Their system largely is our athletes are better than yours, and we're going to run right past you, and we have too many of them, and you can't keep up with us. And if that doesn't work, there isn't really a second gear for the Tennessee offense. And that's not a knock on the Tennessee offense, by the way, because it's it's by far the most the most prolific in college football. But when it's down, it's down and, and there's really kind of no no turning around i'm actually surprised frankly it took this long for somebody to figure that out um but i think the georgia was the interesting team that to your point we weren't sure defensively what they were this year a ton of talent left that team last year to the nfl so you weren't really sure what they what they did mike and that to your point was a damn impressive defensive performance by the bulldogs well and i don't think it's a figure out thing i i just think it's a can't do thing you know you mentioned cincinnati and what did they have Sauce Gardner, baby. My Jay Sanders. It, it, I mean, Kobe Bryant. Yes. Yeah, Kobe Bryant's another NFL cornerback. Sauce Gardner is a you know was a top ten pick in the NFL draft. Long okay. guys can play press, um, and that's you know you wouldn't think Alabama would be lacking in that area, but they are. Um, you know, the safeties got exposed. The corners couldn't. You know, they couldn't stop the free release off the line of scrimmage. They had to play back. Um, and, and that just killed them. So Georgia doesn't have to do that. So I, I think people look at this, you know, especially guys like you who covered Heupel's offense in, in, in at UCF, but you can't do it. I mean, you have to have the personnel to do it. So you could try it sure. all you want, and when it starts failing, then you're in big trouble. Then you start to panic a little bit. So let's say you try to blitz, you know, and you try to leave them on an island, they get toasted. So then you have to change your strategy and you get a little bit wonky about it. Then you play off, um, and then you start to drop your linebackers to try to flood the secondary and, and make the passing windows difficult, and that just plays into what they want to do. So, you know, Georgia has the personnel to do it. Um, great game plan. Tremendous, tremendous defensive effort. And, you know, 
we knew they would try to play power football. We knew, knew they would run the ball. They would, you know, try to control the clock uh, and out physical Tennessee. Tennessee's defense didn't play bad. Uh, they're just used to their offense scoring 50 points and there was no way they were going to do it. So if that's the Georgia team, now, again, we see we saw Georgia against Oregon, but it's hard to really say that's the same Oregon team that we're seeing now. Maybe it is. Maybe this Georgia team is just so good. Maybe they're even better than last year. I know they're better offensively than last year. Um, maybe this is just a Georgia team that is not going to be touched or beaten by anybody. Um, and Tennessee could be the second best team in the country, and they lost by two touchdowns. Yeah, let's talk about the Georgia offense for a second. You were one in previous shows. We talked about Stenson Bennett was was solid, not spectacular as a quarterback. He didn't really light it up. 17 to 25 for you know 250, essentially two touchdown passes. The rushing attack for Georgia wasn't really stout either. Leading rusher, um, Kenny McIntosh, only at 52 yards. Uh, but they, they found enough efficiently on offense. They found opportunities to make big plays, that took advantage of those big plays when they had to. And, and they did just enough to, to put points on the board. Uh, again, this was a, this was twenty four six. It was a twenty seven six game. Like heading into the fourth quarter, I mean, Tennessee got a garbage time touchdown with about four minutes to go. That that made it twenty seven thirteen. But it was it was an efficient offensive performance. Knowing that Georgia has the defensive chops to do something like this to a team, how much of their offense concerns you on a go forward basis? Will the offense be able to do enough to continue to help Georgia win games? Um, it's an interesting question because you look at the teams that they're probably going to play. Um, you know. Ohio State, which is completely different from Michigan. So you have to assume one of those two teams is going to emerge from the Big Ten and, and will be in Georgia's way in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, TCU, it, they're they're a very intriguing offense. And, and, you know, but can Georgia shut down those, those offenses? Can they handle a power running attack like Michigan has? Um, you know, especially with Nolan Smith injured and, and some of the, you know, guys being banged up. I don't know. I know they can handle Ohio State. Uh, that I know. Based on what I saw from Tennessee, Ohio State has better wide receivers. You know, you could argue C.J. Stroud's better than Hendon Hooker, but I don't think there's a huge difference there. Um, they can shut down Ohio State. Um, the offense doesn't have to do a lot, I don't think, if the defense could shut people down. The, the teams I would worry about, honestly, would be probably Michigan and TCU, just because mm-hmm. – it's a it's a balanced attack. Everybody thinks Michigan runs the ball 85 times, never throws, but there is play action and you play out Blake Corm. And TCU with Duggan and his ability to move and throw on a run is is you know kind of intriguing and, and difficult. You know, we don't know who else is gonna emerge in here. Um, a lot of crazy things are gonna happen. I, I don't think, you know, we're done when it comes to okay, these are our four playoff teams. Uh, obviously Ohio State and Michigan have to play. The loser that's probably going to be punted out, but maybe not. Um, you know, Oregon is making a move. USC still got one loss. LSU, depending on how much the committee likes them. Uh, but I'm not worried about the offense. This is an offense that that is very well balanced. Um, Brock Bowers heading into this game hadn't caught more than five passes in any game this season. So, you know, when I was doing my uh, my betting pros podcast with Thor. Um, Saturdays, 10 a.m., by the way, Eastern oh, Time on, on, on YouTube, Betting Pros. YouTube, Betting Pros. You know, I, one of the props I took was, you know, Brock Bowers over 59 yards or something like that, and I thought it was coming. I thought it was going to be easy to come in. They're going to have to Yeah, it was way off. Um, the guy had three catches for 27 yards. He still hasn't surpassed five catches in a game, but they've got Lad McConkey. You know, they've got Arian Smith for speed. They've got Rosemary Jack Saint. They've got serviceable Kyrus Jackson. They got serviceable guys at receiver. They got a balanced rushing attack with four guys, and you could say five with Stetson Bennett. They don't make mistakes. They don't turn the ball over, and they let their defense dictate how things are going. So I think they match up very well with an Ohio State from an offensive perspective uh, and a defensive perspective. Um, you know, I don't know can they handle a mobile quarterback like Bo Nix if you know if Oregon gets back there. This is a different Bo Nix. They beat him 49 to 3, but this is a different Bo Nix. It's a different offensive scheme. This is a different confidence level. Would he give them trouble this time around? I'm not sure. Duggan and those teams, but I don't think anybody's going to challenge Georgia. And it sounds stupid, okay? They're 9 and 0. And we all know when you say something definitive in college football, I think last week I said, we know Clemson's going to be in the playoff. I said yeah. that. And that turned out to be not true. And they got waxed by Notre Dame. 
Mississippi State, Kentucky, Georgia Tech are left on the schedule. They should win all those games, but you never know. And then they go to the SEC championship game against what? LSU maybe? You never know. But right right now, now, I don't see anybody offensively or defensively. We had that debate, Mike versus the world, who's more balanced, Michigan versus Georgia. I think you took Georgia, right? Yes. I think you're right. I think they're more balanced. And they're the most balanced football team in the country. So they can beat you in many different ways. They could beat you defensively. They could beat you with the running game. And they could beat you with the pass. We just haven't seen that yet. Well, let's get to that. We're, we're going to talk about these teams anyway. So let's just transition. Oh, uh, will you remind me to? I got to do sure. my bet. My bet. Um, I keep forgetting. My bet online. So we have new sponsors for the show. I know, I know it's super exciting for you, right? Yeah, let's go. If you want to show me in advance, I could probably help you out with some of this no, stuff. I but did, feel free to do it live. Did, yeah, I did text you. I did say, "Can you remind me of Bet Online?" And you didn't do it for two straight weeks. Do you remember that? I don't. No. I'll do the read. You really? I texted you. Is there a read? Yeah, I'm going to do the read. Ready? You do it right now. Okay, everybody, uh, listen up. Mike Farrell has an important announcement about a uh, new sponsor. A new sponsor of ours. So is Butcher Box, by the way. And last night, I went over a friend's house to watch the Monday Night Football game, and he had Butcher Box chicken and he had wings and uh chicken breasts that he grilled up delicious unbelievable butcher box is a subscription meat service and i can't think of a better way to go than that but bet online so this is a basketball plug basketball is back bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season you'll always find the latest odds team matchup information player news and game trends at bet online and as your continued source for all sports wagering information, they feature live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. Fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf, and of course, college football. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. And you'll receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. I'm going to send this to you so that you can read it next time because I think you're probably better at reads than I am. No, that's not a really authentic. I, I believe it, by the way. I would go to betonline.ag, uh, use promo code believe, B L E A V, Mike. That's a, here's the thing. I always tell these people when they ask about these things, you're watching these games anyway, right? It's not like you, you have to go out of your way. You're already watching these games. All these teams, you probably already follow. You probably already eat and, and breathe and sleep this stuff anyway. You might as well make a little scratch off it too while you're at it, right? Like it, it's a no brainer. Have some fun, yeah. put a little skin in the game. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a super, super good idea. Well, here's the other thing too. My props usually come in. I was four or five a week, uh, not this past weekend, but a week before that. Brock Bowers didn't come in. Brew McCoy came in for me. And my number one prop last week, and we're probably going to talk about this game next, uh, Jaden Daniels. It was 79 yards rushing. No, it was, it was, I think it was 59 yards rushing. He's averaging like 74 yards rushing per SEC contest. And that includes negative yards for sacks. And also you get negative yards in college football. A lot of people don't know this when you're, when you're betting for intentional grounding. So if you mm. intentionally ground it, it counts as a sack and it's negative, it, you know, whatever yards where you grounded it. He ended up with 98 yards, I believe, and was sacked six times. So he was well over 100. So people who follow this stuff and, and I dig into the props every week for bet on uh, not for bet online for betting pros. Um, you can make some scratch. As you said, it's kind of fun. Um, make money and watch college football. I mean, that's what. That's what we do, right? Michael, you, you rattled off like nine different sports I can watch and I can get action on. I mean, why would I not do that? I'm already a, I'm already watching these things anyway, right? I'm watching love, golf. I'm watching college basketball. I'm watching love, football. I might as well. I love betting golf. Love it. No brainer. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And, and, you know, I'm usually not good at it, you know, because I always pick the guy with the high odds because there's no fun picking, you know, a, a Rory McIlroy to win a tournament when he's like, you know, plus 120. I'll pick some dude I never heard of um, and he'll come in second and I'll lose, but I still love betting golf. So, but it is exciting. I mean, listen, we got, we, like I said, we got bet online, you know, I'm doing the betting pros thing on Saturday. So this is the what third mention of them. Um, yeah. Bettingpros.com. And, and they're also part of fantasy pros, which is for your uh, fantasy football. Uh, and now we got a uh, bet online butcher box for, for believe. I mean, we're, we're, yeah, we we got to space these. We got to space these ads out better next time. I'm not sure how betting pros and bet online want their stuff commingled like this, but let's space these out next time. Well, here's we, the thing: betting pros there. doesn't take your gambles. What they do is mm -hmm. they give you advice on the gambling. Bet online okay. takes the synergy. 
Listener. And then eat some butcher box and you've got a full lunch at the same time. Look at this, Mike. Oh you're learning, God. you're Gamble eating, and you're making and money. Meat, and you'll be wow. you'll live till 85, I think. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, mark your calendar, whatever date you're listening to this, the start of the Mike Farrell Empire has begun. Um, let's get back into the into the, the sports world though, into the football world. We're gonna talk about these teams anyway. So let's just go right to the college football playoff rankings. If you're depends on when you're listening to us, Mike and I are talking in Tuesday afternoon. So the the Tuesday rankings have not yet been released. So we do not know what the rankings are. At least we don't know publicly. I think we all know what the rankings are going to be, Mike. So let's talk about this because there's certainly going to be a bunch of movements uh, in the rankings this week. Obviously, Tennessee was number one. That's yeah. not going to hold, right? Georgia, I think we can all agree, slides into number one at that point, right? So Georgia's the new number yeah. one team when that's these things the come only out Tuesday. Thing that should be determined and locked in. That's the only one that's right. Georgia. The other the other changes that you keep in mind, Clemson was four. They are going to be knocked down, obviously losing at Notre Dame in pretty handy fashion. Alabama was number six. They lose to LSU on a two-point conversion play. LSU was number 10. Obviously, they beat Alabama. Those are probably the biggest movers in terms of – and Ohio State kind of stubbed the toe a little bit in a blustery, weathery sort of uh, – uh, you know, the grass is 75 feet high situation at Ryan Field <laughs> at Northwestern. Um, but we all agree Georgia's one, Mike. So then who is number two? Well, it's going to be Ohio State, and it shouldn't be. And then Michigan's going to be number three. Okay. And then Tennessee's going to be number four. And undefeated okay. TCU will be outside the top four, and they'll be number five. And I'll tell you why. Will they be five? Uh, well, who would be ahead of them? Uh, LSU? Oregon, no LSU? No, 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 no. Oregon's yeah, got. I'm just, it just seems like TCU is not going to get the. It seems like we're going to find. I mean, they struggled a little bit against Texas Tech. Yeah, you know, they come up with a, with a win, right? But it's it, it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. Give them five though. To throw them okay. a bone at five because I don't okay. think you could put a two loss LSU team above them. I, I, if that happened, then the SEC bias. You could put Oregon. Could you put Oregon above them? You could eight and one, but they don't have a lot of big big wins. Um, you know, and and the drubbing. Well, does that does that Georgia? loss now look better that you see yeah. that Georgia is by far the best team in the nation. It looks better if it was quality losses, Mike. Quality 42. losses. <laughs> that would be better. Them, yes. look better. I don't give a crap who you are. That's bad <laughs> That's loss. Fair. That's fair. Um, that is fair. But Oregon's you know got a BYU win as a top 25 team. They got a UCLA win as a top 25 team, but the rest is all garbage. I mean Stanford, Washington State, Cal, Colorado, Arizona. They're kind of a, a paper eight and one champion sure. here. And I don't think they're going to pass TCU. TCU has, I believe, four. No. Yeah, they got four top 25 wins. Um, teams that were top 25. And yes, Oklahoma's in there. And that shouldn't really count. But four top 25. TCU will be number five. That, okay. Now, they should be. They should be at the minimum four. You could make a case like I did with Clemson last week that they could be two. But that sucked because Clemson sucks. And we'll get into Clemson sucking in a little bit. Um, but what they're going to do is they're going to put the brands up there. They're going to put Ohio State number two. Well, hold on. So, yeah, you said Ohio State will be two, but they should not be. Make your case for Ohio State not being number two. Well, the, the winning percentage of their opponents is below 500. Okay. It just is. I mean, Northwestern didn't help. They're horrible. They're one and eight. That drops the winning percentage of their opponents under like five. You could hide a dead body in that law in that field that they call Ryan Ryan Field. You could hide a dead body it. in there. I get it. And they didn't have Trevion Henderson. They didn't have Jackson Smith and Jake, but it was 40 mile an hour wins. Well, it was 20 mile an hour wins with 40 mile an hour gusts. Northwestern did not play this football game to win. We know that. We watched it. We saw. You know, he wanted to keep it close and he wanted to keep it in a, into a punning <laughs> contest. But still, it's a crap win. Now, I'm not saying they should drop. They should have just never been up here. They should have never been okay. up here. Too. They're up here because of preseason. Their best win is Penn State. And then their next best win is Notre Dame, which is looking better. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, Notre Dame has got a pulse now. They're 6-3. and three. They just beat a top five football team. So that's good. That's why I have them ahead of Michigan. But I don't have them number two. Michigan's opponent's record is worse than Ohio State's. It's well below 500. Rutgers didn't help, but I mean, Rutgers, I think it's four and five now, you know, but they beat some of the worst teams you're ever going to think of, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, like the Hawaii's and the Yukons of the world. Um, and they really have one good win, which is Penn State. Their second best win is Maryland, who just lost to Wisconsin. So they're an average team. So the, the resume is not there for either of these teams to be two and three, but they play in the Big Ten. They're big brands. Um, you know, Michigan was in the playoff last year. Ohio State's been in the playoff pretty much 
consistently. So they're going to be ahead of a TCU team that's undefeated that has better wins. Um, the biggest thing for me is I honestly think one should be Georgia and two should be Tennessee because. Yeah. So that's a compelling we, argument. It's a compelling argument. I mean, you, you look at who Tennessee's beaten. They, they beat an LSU pretty handily 40, 13 who just beat Alabama. They also beat Alabama, by the way. Uh, they also beat a, a good pit team uh, earlier in the year. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we clearly know that Georgia is a, a pretty good football team, and, and they, they lost to, to that team. You could make a compelling argument. Uh, there's no way they're going to do it because the optics of doing that. But you could you could legit make an argument. I usually think your arguments are a little bit horse hockey. But on this one, I think you actually may have something on this one. Horse hockey. Usually yep. your mind of Mike stuff is usually way, way out there. Ooh. Too much butcher box. Too much. Oh, I don't know what. I don't yeah, know. Dude. Too much red meat clogging your first of clogging all. your brain waves. I don't know. We're gonna do a mind, uh, not a mind, a mic, but a mic versus the world on. And I, I stated this on Twitter, and I got ratioed like crazy. But the you team, love that, don't, don't lie to me. The team in this college football with the best wins is still Tennessee, and people think I'm nuts. But here's my point. Georgia beat Oregon. Oregon's, what, sixth in the country. That's a great win. Okay. Georgia beat Tennessee. Tennessee is going to be probably fourth in the country. That's another great win. After that, they don't have any other good ones. None. Just none. Missouri, Kent State, South Carolina, just garbage. Vanderbilt, all absolute garbage. Tennessee has a win over Alabama. Now, Alabama's probably going to be in the top ten in the playoff rankings still. Um, they have a win over LSU, who's now clearly going to be in the top 10 of the playoff rankings. That's two really good wins. Um, they beat a Kentucky team that was in the top 20 at the time. They beat a Florida team that was in the top 20 at the time. They beat a Pitt team that was in the top 20 at the time. The argument can be made, and there's really no argument against it, but everybody thinks I'm an idiot. Tennessee has the best wins this season, period. Total. Now, we're going to do a Mike versus the world. You're obviously going to take the fact that Georgia's got the best wins because they drilled Oregon and Tennessee. But that's my argument why they should be number two. Just because they lost the number one team in the country who's clearly number one doesn't mean that they should free fall behind Michigan, who's played a bunch of cadavers, and Ohio State, who's played nobody as well. It's just no reason for it. But it will happen. just doesn't make sense. All right, so then, uh, so round out the committee's top six. So you, it sounds like you have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. You think Tennessee will get the four spot? I think Tennessee will get the four spot. I think TCU will get the fifth spot, and I think Oregon will be six. And I think six, LSU okay. will be seven. Um, and then after that, you still got some teams that have an opportunity to get in. Um, well, one team, USC. Clemson's going to free fall. Um, you know. They just are because of the ACC perception, a bad loss on the road to a six and three football team. They're out of it. Alabama's out of it. UCLA never has a chance to get in it, I don't believe, um, because their brand isn't enough. And honestly, the, their attendance is still colossally embarrassing. Um, Old Miss has a chance to get back in it if they beat Alabama. Um, but, but that's really it. We're, we're down to probably seven teams maybe eight teams that have a chance to make the playoff. That, I think that's where we're at. So I've got LSU at seven, USC at eight, uh, Oregon's going to be six, and TCU will be five. How far does Bama fall? Um, they, Because it's Bama, it wouldn't shock me if they're ahead of USC still. Uh, wow. But I think USC is going to be eight, and I think Bama is going to be nine. But Bama will not fall out of the top ten, God forbid. But now. Clemson is going to hurdle their way out of the, uh, out of the top ten. They're out of the top ten. I think they deserve to be out of the top ten. Listen, I banged the drum for Clemson all week, and it she was probably the wrong time yeah. to bang the drum for Clemson. I should have banged the drum for Clemson prior to maybe the Syracuse game, or, or you know maybe prior to the Florida State game. I chose on the road at Notre Dame, which is arguably their biggest test this year. I mean, you could say Wake Forest, and you could say NC State, and you could say you know Syracuse, but at Notre Dame, you know, turned out to be a disaster for them. Um, they looked horrible. They were never in that football game. Uh, the quarterback situation there is kind of a joke because he stuck with him to the point where it was, you know, 28 to nothing in the fourth quarter, and you're still sticking with the guy. Um, I think they should be punished. Sorry. 
before that. It wouldn't be an episode without some form of an ESPN commercial. Danville, Danville. I, I just think they should be punished for that and get out of there. I was, you know, again, had they beaten Notre Dame on the road and and in you know somewhat convincing style or even ten points or even a touchdown, I could still sit here and make the case that they should be number two. Probably not ahead of Tennessee, but at least I'd make the case that they could be number three. Um, and it would be an argument between them and TCU because I do think Michigan and Ohio State have no good wins aside from Penn State. And I already mentioned Penn State was just a joke. Um, but they lost, and they lost badly. Uh, so get them out of here. You don't deserve to be in this discussion anymore. Well, let's talk about Clemson since you want to get them out of here. and They don't deserve to be in discussion. Let's have a discussion, Mike, because an interesting thing happened over the weekend. Uh, USF, University of South Florida, which is in Tampa, oddly enough, by the way, uh, they have uh, relieved uh, Jeff Scott of his duties, their, uh, their head coach. I think he's something like 1-27 uh, against the FBS teams in his tenure at, uh, at USF uh, in three years there. If that name uh, is familiar to you. It should be. He spent a lot of time on the Clemson staff on the offensive side of the ball for the longest time. Him and Tony Elliott were the, the co-OCs of that particular team that obviously had some, some good runs there, Mike. So Jeff Scott now on the market. Yep. Uh, obviously, Clemson ties. Um, one would argue if you uh, uh, tangentially, I, I keep an eye on uh, on USF because they're a rival of a team I play. Uh, Jeff Scott seems like he never really let go of Clemson. Uh, there's always seemed to be a little bit of Clemson in, in press conferences he talked about. You know, wore some shirts here and there. So are we yeah. getting the band back together? Jeff Scott back to save Clemson. Well, I, I think it could be next season. Um, you know, Dabo is – he's a loyal guy, and he likes, you know, the family feel of things. You know, Brent Venables was there forever. He lost him. Uh, Tony Elliott was there as the co-offense coordinator, as you mentioned, but Jeff Scott was there, and Jeff Scott worked with the wide receivers, and, and they've really depleted uh, any work with the quarterbacks, too. The, the, their wide receiver, you know um, – the danger level of the wide receivers has depleted greatly since Jeff Scott left. The quarterback play has obviously dipped, and you're going to have that, of course, when you go from Deshaun Watson, uh, sort of a segue into Trevor Lawrence. You're going to have a dip. But this offense is very predictable. It was predictable last year, too, under Tony Elliott. So, you know, no great shakes for him either. They've had to dumb down the offense quite a bit for DJ Uyunglele um, because well cognitively I don't think he gets it. I don't think he's quick enough. And this doesn't mean he's dumb. It just means from a from a quarterback perspective, he was starting to show me signs of making quicker decisions against Wake Forest and in starting to show confidence. But I think what's happened here is the team didn't have confidence in him. They lost three games last year, and their offense was abysmal and anemic. Up and down this season, it's been okay, not okay. Uh, the second he struggles, I think everybody on that sideline at Clemson except for the coaches, it clearly starts to roll their eyes and say, here we go again. And that's what happened against Notre Dame. Um, it's not a coaching issue as much as it's, you know, Brandon Streeter is a good coach. He's, he's a serviceable person. And he knows what to do. It's more of a loyalty to DJ. Um, but the fans want Jeff Scott back. The fans do not like what they're seeing here. They didn't. They were happy to see Tony Elliott go last season. They're happy to see Brandon Streeter go if they can get rid of him. They want Jeff Scott back because they think he's the link to the old success Clemson. My argument would be he's not. This has to change from solid argument. Every perspective needs to change here. You know, Cade Klubnick is a guy who came into the game and he came into the Syracuse game and, and they don't trust him obviously because he's not throwing the ball a lot. We have to see how he develops to see if this isn't a trend. Um, you know, is Trevor Lawrence a generational talent? I think he is. And I think he was, was Deshaun Watson. And I don't like the word general generational talent because I could say the same about Deshaun Watson, but I, I do believe Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback that I've seen from a high school level to a college level in the last 20 years. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, not to that level, but very, very good. Uh, those guys, maybe it's easy to develop them. You know, maybe Elliott and Scott get the benefit of the doubt, um, being able to develop guys like that. We're going to see. But Jeff Scott, the Clemson fans all want him back. They want him back. I mean, he's fired. He, they want him hired. He's, this a, he's available. Yeah, he's available. They want him like this week. They want Streeter downgraded, and they want Jeff Scott hired this week. That's not going to happen. But next season – I could certainly see a, a, you know, a little bit of a reunion between Dabo and Jeff Scott, 
it doesn't matter now. I mean, you got Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina. You can run the table there if you want to, and you can go play UNC in the ACC title game. And if you win that, you're still not making the playoffs. So this season's over. Well, they'll be um, in a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, they're still they still have a New Year's Six Bowl in front of them. I know those those aren't the yeah. expectations at Clemson, but I mean, they'll, no. they'll still play in a New Year's Six game. Yeah, but they're not the expectations. So this season's kind of a wash, especially in the ACC, where the ACC is like, you know, considered a layup, and they shouldn't lose any games. Now, this is not a conference game, but it is a Notre Dame team that plays a lot of ACC teams, has that fake sort of partnership with the ACC, and does very good against ACC teams traditionally. But it's a game you shouldn't have lost, honestly. Marshall beat Notre Dame at home, Stanford beat Notre Dame at home, and he got drilled. Um, so Jeff Scott will be called for by the fans to come back. Brandon Streeter, the timing of this is not great for him because he's going to have to listen to how predictable this offense is. But I think it circles around one dude, and I also think it is lack of development at the wide receiver position. I think Jeff Scott did a remarkable job there that is underappreciated, more so than when we look at the quarterbacks. Wide receivers could bail out DJ. They just don't have them on this roster. Dabo has a really weird coaching tree. Now that I think about this, Jeff Scott, obviously not, not doing well. Tony Elliott, I guess too early to tell, but probably not great. Uh, Chad Morris uh, certainly didn't pan out. Brent Venables struggling early on. He's got a really weird coaching tree, that Dabo. Horrible coaching tree, honestly. Um, You know, but I mean, he's been successful. I I think – you know, and we're going to do a, a Mike versus the world on this, too. I think a, a case could be made that this is kind of and it's it's overreaction, of course. Right. But this is sort of a step towards Clemson no longer being a, a consistent playoff undefeated contender. You know, they lost three last year. They just lost to Notre Dame. They're not going to make the playoff. Now, as you mentioned, New Year's six. Yeah. But as a playoff contender, this is the first time since the playoff has been in existence that Alabama and Clemson will not be in it, you know, barring some crazy stuff. Um, And I think we're starting to see a little bit of a change. In the SEC, we have teams emerging. The ACC, we don't have anybody emerging. But I think Clemson might be that 10-2 and team moving forward under Dabo, uh, which isn't going to get it done. Well, that team was supposed to be Miami, Mike, and they got absolutely just slaughtered at home uh, to a Florida State team that's been up and down. I mean, they're a good team, Florida State is, but they they absolutely just annihilated Miami. So bad. I mean, and this so- is, that was the team you're high on. I know, Mike. You early. I know you thought that Mario would would turn things around. I yeah. know you were you were one that said, "Hey, give him some time. Though he's going to have to rehaul the roster." But I didn't. Did you think it'd be this bad that they'd no, be no, four and no. five, losing to Duke, losing to Middle Tennessee, getting drubbed at home to Florida State? There's no excuse for it, honestly. And yet you know, everybody can talk about, and Mario can talk about how the culture here was broken. And hey, a fans don't. And um, I've heard of that before, yeah. Maybe they should sponsor the show. And recruiting wasn't up to par. And, you know, the fan support wasn't what it needs to be. And, and we're going to change all that, but it's going to take time. Well, guess what? You know, it's, it's an embarrassing situation now. Well, that, uh, to be followed really quickly, Mike, that stadium was full. That's, that stadium was as full as oh, it's yeah. ever been for a hurricane yeah. home game. So when, when Mario talks about we want fan support, he, you had him. You had him in the seats. All you had to do was put up a good performance, and you got absolutely west by Florida well, State. Your chief team, this is a Miami team that won five of the last seven games last season. This was a Miami team that had Tyler Van Dyke, who was on an upward trajectory towards a potential second or first round you know, uh, quarterback. Yeah. Yep. This is a team that was trending in the right direction. And now Mario has taken it over. And this is a team that's moving backwards and very far backwards. You know, Middle Tennessee was just a horrible loss. They got blown out by Duke. Okay. Guess what? Duke has a new head coach. Um, he's a first year guy and he's six and three. And that's Duke, which is a 10 times harder job. So all the excuses, I like Mario Cristobal. I think he's a, a good guy. I think he's a tremendous recruiter. I'm not sure if he's a good coach yet. We're going to find out. And well, I don't know if he's out. a good hirer of coaches. It feels like Josh Gaddis, the OC there, just doesn't fit what that what that well, scheme wants to be. And Kevin Steele's not a good hire either. I mean, come on. There's almost there's always these plug-in guys. I mean, who's the dude that Venables hired a defensive coordinator for Oklahoma? What the hell is his name? I can't remember. There, there's these, these guys that have been around forever, you know, have been at 15 schools, 
and they've made their reputation as defensive coordinators, but none of them really can speak to a lot of success. Yeah, Kevin Steele had, I think he was uh, at Alabama when they had a great defense. You know, Ted and, Roof, and, by the way, is the DC there. Ted Roof, there is another one. I mean, these are uh, former head coaches, both of these guys, very experienced, but it's the old, you know, it's it's your drinking buddies network. Um, Josh Gaddis was thought to be a really good hire. He was the assistant coach of the year last year, but I think we all knew and now know more than ever that that was Jim Bar- Jim Harbaugh running that offense and running yeah. the style of offense that he wanted. Uh, and now Josh Gaddis has gotten there, and Van Dyke's a disaster. The team can't move the ball. They lost their best receiver early in the season, but, I mean, if your best receiver is – Respoto or whatever. I mean, you Xavier Restrepo. Restrepo, you're in a bad place. You're in a bad place. But yes. all that being said, all that being said, there's no way on earth I can say Duke is six and three, and Miami's four and five, and that's not a coaching issue. Duke yeah. is Duke. Miami still has a roster of talent, um, but to lose to Duke forty-five to twenty-one, to lose to Middle Tennessee State, of course, in, in a in a embarrassing loss and then to get waxed by florida state where florida state could do anything they wanted florida state could yes. do anything they wanted there no opposition no, at all it was like eight yards to every play not not just every pass every play uh that's embarrassing so we're reaching a point now where they're going to struggle with georgia tech you know they struggle with virginia they had to win that game on field goals in 80 overtimes they're going to get killed by clemson and then pitt's going to beat them and so Let's say they beat Georgia Tech and lose those other two. You've got yourself a five and seven football season, which is worse than last year when you had to fire Manny Diaz. Uh, it's it's he's going nowhere. He's going to be there for five years. There's no hot seat. There's no warm seat. There's nothing. Permani McLean, the five star defensive back, chooses Miami at the last second. They've got five stars up the wazoo in this class. Recruiting's going great as we knew it would. But the results on the field are just almost as embarrassing as I can remember at Miami. And that's that's Randy Shannon. That's Al Golden. That's um, it's the just, end of Larry Coker. Randy Diaz, you know, yeah. it's just bad. I mean, at the end of Larry Coker, those teams would beat this Miami team, I don't know, 50 to nothing. Yeah, very you much know? so, yes, yeah. <laughs> And I think Al Golden's teams would beat this team very soundly. And I think Manny Diaz's team last year would beat this team probably by 14 points. All right, we mentioned this uh, this team briefly. Let's get back to that really quickly. Uh, Jeff Scott's vacated the University of South Florida a head coaching position. They now have a search commencing. And this is an interesting uh, search for you, Mike. I know there's a couple names that you're kind of thinking about um, in terms of, of who could turn around um, uh, the Bulls, who have not had a fantastic run. Willie Taggart left them in 2016. Charlie Strong had him on the doorstep of 2017. Uh, they lose a close game to UCF and, and really haven't recovered since then. Charlie's gone two years later. Jeff Scott's there, and again, it just hasn't turned around. They are one and eight, obviously, this year. Uh, but it's in a, it's on a fertile f- recruiting ground in Tampa, Florida. You know that market as well as anybody. Uh, a ton of ath- athletes, recruits hanging around that that area. Um, so there's opportunity, Mike. If someone wants to come and take this job, the right coach, who's that fit for you to take over at USF? Well, it could be Deion Sanders. And that's the thing, you know, we, we did the debate last week and you mentioned what Florida state, I think I said Auburn, but after that debate, I started thinking about it and I'm like, why, or why are we penciling this guy in as a power five coach? His resume is is nothing. He's a hall of famer as a player. Um, He was a high school coach with average results. And now he's dominating, um, you know, at, at the FCS level with a team that has a roster that's 10 times better than anybody who plays. Nobody can challenge this team. And simply because it's Dion and he can recruit. I don't know if he's coached this team up. I don't know if he has any. The FCS level to group to power five is a massive, massive jump. And most people don't make it there. Um, you have to step in between. Um, you know, Lance Leopold's done a great job at Kansas. He went from division two, I believe, to you know, group of five to power five. That's just kind of how everybody takes this approach. Um, you know, so for Dion to be like penciled in for Auburn, 
I don't think they'd offer him the job. Uh, FSU is a different story because he is an alum and that job's not obviously available. And, and Mike Norvell's going nowhere. Um, yeah, it looks like he looks like he's trying. I know you were you were one that was a little bit uh, concerned about. I saw on social media yeah. you were getting dragged a little bit for that Mike Norvell take, but it sounds like he's at yeah. least solidified himself for another season. Oh, he's, he's he's safe now. I mean, that was that was the game. You know, not only did you beat Miami, you beat him on the road, and you beat him in in just amazing fashion. When they started off four and zero, and he still got a brag, he can brag about the LSU win at the beginning of the season. It's it's similar to like okay, if LSU played Florida State now, they'd probably wax him. You know, and if Oregon played Georgia now, it'd probably be a close game, but it doesn't matter. You still have a top 10 win on your resume. You just destroyed your, your you know, rival on the road and embarrassed them. He's not going anywhere. At the beginning of the season, I thought certain teams would be better. You know, I thought Louisville would be more consistent. Um, I thought Boston College would actually have a pulse. Uh, I thought Miami would be a test for them, you know. Based on last season, five of seven, blah, blah, blah. You look at it at the beginning of the season, you're like, okay, Miami might be in a better shape than Florida State. None of that coming true. He's a top 25 coach now. So so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. You know, even if, if things falter at the end of the season, um, they're going to, you know, continue to build on his name in recruiting. So he survived, I think, you know, a potentially difficult season, and he's actually thriving so Dion doesn't have that job, nor would he if Mike Norvell was fired or suddenly left for another job. I don't think you can pencil him in because he lacks experience. Georgia Tech, you know, I've mentioned that's a great fit, but I don't know if Georgia Tech wants a guy who has no, you know, FBS recruiting experience. I mean, not recruiting experience, uh, uh, coaching experience. He can recruit, you know, because he's Dion. So my point here is take the steps like everybody else. Maybe the USF job is a great fit for him from a recruiting standpoint. The AAC is going to be down a little bit with the, the teams moving to the Big 12. You have an opportunity to take that next step of progression, be successful there. Then at that point, at that point, if Dion's doing what he does now at USF, which is a big rebuild, but I think he could do it, then he picks and chooses his job. But I don't think there's this pick and choose uh, that the media thinks, and I fell into it a little bit, and I, I'm just sort of checking myself saying, if I'm making a million, 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 million dollar decision and my job's on the line, I'm not hiring Dion at a power five school, just not. Yeah, I, I agree with that specifically. I, I just don't know that Dion agrees with that, right? I, I think he thinks he's in that level of, of getting a, a power five style job. That's where I'm curious if he would even consider a group of five job in in uh, in USF, a team that, to your point, obviously they're they're kind of being left behind in the new revamped American Conference. Uh, they don't have an on-campus stadium. They're just about to open an indoor practice practice facility, but their facilities are not on par with a lot of other uh, programs that are around there. Dion is from the Fort Myers area, which is you know an hour up I seventy five, right? So he gets a little closer to home. But I, I don't I don't know if that's the that's the fit. I think here's the other thing, Mike. I would tell you is is for USF, this is an absolute crucial hire. I mean, this could be that hire that makes or breaks this program because they're already kind of on a downslide. They're trying to get funds together to build an on-campus stadium. Uh, and, and if this thing continues in the tank, uh, I mean, they need to turn this thing around quickly. It could be really, really tough sledding for USF going forward. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, you look at the, the programs leaving, you know, UCF, Cincinnati, uh, Houston are all leaving. Um, they have pretty good recruiting territories, obviously UCF and Houston with those two great states. But – Ohio is a great state to recruit, you know, the players that can't go to Ohio state. Yeah. They may, you know, go to Michigan or, or Penn state or Kentucky who does a great job in the state of Ohio. Um, but you're going to get some players, you know, but then you look at who's left Tulane. I mean, okay. Um, good That's recruiting area, you know, uh, Memphis, good recruiting area, but again, you're not going to win, you know, four star battles, uh, temple Tulsa, SMU. SMU. These aren't great power football teams. I mean, you know, no. Tulane, Tulane's eight and one this season. They're a big surprise. Uh, you know, SMU is just dysfunctional. Um, you know, that that's a very weird, weird situation there because I thought they would be much, much better. East Carolina's steady, but this isn't a really good AAC that you're dealing with here. So, yeah, they're at the bottom of the barrel right now. I mean, they're one and eight that he beat one FBS team 
in his his entire tenure at USF. They are in, in big trouble. But you know, with the right coach who can recruit, they could they could rise yeah, very quick. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. they they could certainly stock up sure. for in a hurry. That's why this hire is so is so crucial. Because is. If they miss again, yeah. oof. I mean, well, and I'm really surprised Scott didn't have more success there. And and you know, to a to a budgetary standpoint that you're talking about there, it, this is not a program that throws a lot of money at it. Um, yeah. You know, when you compare them to to UCF, it was just an amazing large alumni base, and Houston, which has a billionaire who's just tunneling and funneling money in there. Um, South Florida gets no; they get nothing. Um, they have to find somebody who's going to come in there, right the ship, get them back, you know, to exciting. You know, it was a time I remember when, when he, you know, they were a team yeah. that won a few recruiting battles here and there, you know, like yeah. They, yeah. They, could, they could recruit the Tampa area, especially for them was kind of, you know, fertile, but that was 10 years ago. It's yeah, really 10, 15 years ago under Jim Levitt. This would have been the team that's going to the power five, right? If, if we stopped yeah. time there, this would yeah. be one of those teams. Absolutely. But it's funny because it seems like just yesterday, but it's not. I mean, there's been problems. Obviously, you know, you can't go from coach to coach to coach and have each of them unsuccessful. Um, so you're right. This is a very important hire. I think this would be one of those jobs, though, where if Dion was interested in it, they would hire him in a second. Uh, I just don't think that that decision is going to be made at the power five level as easily as people think. Well, keep an eye on it. I think here's some, here's some names I'll throw out for some fun, like Tom Herman. Yeah. Good. Tom good Herman. Yeah. Here's another one. That'll be really interesting. Scott Frost. <sighs> I mean, he recruited that area pretty well at UCF. Uh, he, he knows that area. Now I don't know if he can build a program or not, but uh, would, uh, would, would Dan Mullen ever do it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to wrap my arms around Scott Frost. Yeah. I, it's interesting. Some of the things I heard up in Nebraska about Scott Frost, I don't think he'd be successful there. I just don't. I think he yeah. fell into a great situation. I think he fell yes. into it face first. And I think he also was in a great situation at Oregon when he was a coordinator. I think the guy just got lucky. I don't think he's a good coach. And I don't think he would recruit well. Um, Dan Mullen's a horrible recruiter, laziest man on earth, but he's a player developing guy. I mean, we talk about, you know, the, the college football playoff, you know, Mississippi State is one of, I think, seven teams to be ranked number one in the college football playoff, and it was under Dan Mullen. So he could be magical, but he could also be just horrible, like he was at Florida the last two years and just not giving a crap about recruiting and and saying some things on in-home visits, which honestly are, are maybe for my book, if I ever write one, just hilarity of lack of awareness. So I don't think Dan Mullen would be successful there either. I don't know if Dion would be successful there I just I don't know who the right fit is, but none of those names you just mentioned really are attractive to me. All right. Somehow we spent too much time talking about USF. We have to stop that right now. Mike, that's actually pissing me off. But I want to know what's pissing you off this week. Uh, usually there's something like a weather. Yeah. Well, well welcome to Florida, weather. brother. Where I'm about to get a hurricane. So I, I, yeah. I hear you. Daytime, daylight savings time or whatever the hell you call it in the fall. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I imagine that's not something you enjoy at all. No, no, it's 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 I have seasonal depressive disorder. I have general depressive disorder. I have every depressive diagnosis known to man. So what you do is you 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 change it to, you know, getting dark at 430. I just want to go to bed at five. Um, it's miserable and it's not necessary. You know, obviously it was done, what, 100 years ago for farmers or 200 years ago for farmers. And the state of Arizona doesn't do it because they're smart. Wow. Um, but the world is dumb. So now it's dark at 430. I, I was going to try to get out yesterday to, to get nine holes in just to sort of, you know, it's, it's one of the things that you do to recharge my brain and sort of take my mind off of, uh, you know, business and stuff. And I called and the latest tea time with a cart was 139 for nine holes. 139. Now, I don't mind walking. As, as fat as I am, I'll walk. But the people I was going to go off with don't want to walk. So I, I asked the girl, I said, why 139? It takes a, roughly 90 minutes 
to, to golf nine in a cart or at most two hours, you know, but they, they want the carts back so they can close down at three. It's just, it's, it ruins, everything is ruined with the clocks changing. So now I just got to buckle down in, in today's cold. Yesterday was 74. Today's like 48 here in Connecticut. I just got to buckle down and, you know, slog through another winter and, you know, just sort of, get excited when I see masters commercials for golf in February and then come to life. Sorry to hear that. Wow. You know, you can well, move. It's dark. No, I can't move. But down there, you know, you're the Arizona. Apparently that's where that's, that's where you're meant to be. Yeah. I'm not a West coast guy. 436 is sunset here. I think down in Florida, it's still like six o'clock. Yeah, it's about five five thirty ish. You'll start seeing the sun okay. go down. Better. You guys will get hit like it. Up here, you know, in Canada's worse. I get it. My Canadian friends up there, you got it worse than me. But up here in New England, it's bad. It's just yeah. bad. It feel. I was watching a Monday night football game last night. I was over at Buddy's house. Uh, eight fifteen start. When eight fifteen kickoff occurred, it felt like two in the morning. I <laughs> I, I, I was half asleep. And I'm like, yes. why is this game so late? And I got through a half, and then I had to drive home and go to sleep. Yeah, I'll give you that. Those Sunday, uh, that Sunday four o'clock window for the NFL, which was dreadful, by the way, was uh, what Bucks, Rams, and uh, uh, Cardinals, that was, Seahawks. That was a bad it was game. a terrible Bucks. window, and and it started at like five thirty. It was not good. That was a bad game. And that the other thing that pisses me off too is 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 you know, listen, I, I get I made old takes exposed. I know that guy, he's a Florida guy. Yeah, congrats. Fan. Well, yeah, you would do. But he he likes to he's a Florida guy, Florida fan. Yep. So if there's something with FSU, if there's something with Miami or especially something with Florida, he likes to really hammer that home. Um, I didn't know he saw that take. I, you know, I haven't talked to him since he put it out there. You know, we got a lot of attention. I got more followers. I think I got 500 followers out of it, which is great. And, and in this world, if you're wrong, you're better off than being right. If I went and said Mike Norvell is going to win eight games this season and he's going to keep his job, nobody would ever retweet that. Nobody would ever remember that. No one would give a crap about it. But the fact that I said they might not win six and they can't find six on the schedule that he's going to win, uh, I got followers. I got more clicks. I made more money. So thank you to all the haters because I make money off of the attention, but it wasn't intentional. I don't do that on purpose. Uh, but what really not pisses me off, I, I'm puzzled by the human being that not just, you know, retweets or calls me an idiot on Twitter. That's fine. That's just life. The one who has to go into the direct messages, take mm -hmm. that extra step to click on the little envelope. And then to type that I'm an absolute idiot or a loser or, or, or an asshat or dumbest human being ever. That person, psychologically, I really want to dig into what's wrong with them. Because that takes extra effort and extra time. And I'm not worth that. Yeah. Um, and it's happened a lot this week. And it puzzles me every time I see it. It just... I just want to know what that person does on a daily basis. I want to know how they wake up. I want to know what they do for work. I want to know what interactions they have with other human beings. I want to know if they've ever held the hand of a girl. I want to know what their problem is because they yeah. appear to be a colossal mega sized loser. Hmm. Um, well, do me a favor. Next time it happens, respond back. Invite him on the podcast. Let's have him on the show. We'll do a full interview. It could be. It could be. You know, Mike versus the world it. in real life. You know, yeah. Let's do it. One guy, you know, I he he's director of physical occupational therapy at some place, you know, called First Choice Medical Group. He seems to be an extremely successful human being. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not a troll. If, if his picture is who he is. He seems to be a, a, an average looking man. Um, he's a health coach and wellness educator as well with a different company. He seems to have his life together, but yet I have a strange feeling he could be the biggest loser known to man because mm -hmm. he took time out of his day to say, hey, Mike, Norvell got your six wins and sent me three crying and laughing emojis, crying laughing, laughing emojis. And I just feel that this person so might be still emoji, not a mojo, by the way. Yeah, mojo. They <laughs> might be, he might be very limited, but yet he's yeah. fooled his way through life getting these yeah. jobs. So it, 
I just am fascinated by the psychology of it all. I agree with you. Let's let's. I'm also fascinated by um, like the scam telemarketers who call you and tell you they need your. I want to know how often that works. Like, what's the what's the ROI ratio on if I make a thousand phone calls and I get one idiot to give me their credit card number? Is that worth the effort? I got to figure that out one day. Well, the, the other thing too is like yesterday, my my buddy who I've known since high school really has a problem with. Um, you know, telemarketer calls. Apparently, I, I get a lot of them. I, I, I have something called Robo Killer that that you know usually blocks them, but it doesn't matter. You can block ten, and they'll crop up with an eleventh number, right? He picks up the phone when he gets a number that, that he's aware is a telemarketer. Yeah, and he says this: "Take me off your call list, or I will kill you." Hmm. And he did it three times last night. And I said, "Yo, man." You know, he's a successful person. He, he, he works in the sports world. I said, bro, maybe not a death threat. <laughs> Soften it a little bit, yeah. He's like, well, what else is it going to take to get them off my call list? I go, a death threat ain't going to do it, first of all. And secondly, if somebody records that, you could be in big trouble. But, yeah, there was one where um, a friend of mine last week sold something on Facebook. And they went to the direct pay, you know, do you have a, like, just like eBay on Facebook, you can sell through Facebook and they vet everything for you. But, you know, she went through the direct pay process, which is what 99% of the people do and say, here's my, you know, PayPal, blah, blah, blah. And this person responded and they said, I can't pay you in PayPal because you have to uh, put in, you have to put in additional funds to your PayPal to get it, whatever, to accept the amount of money I'm sending you, blah, blah, blah. I'll give you the money. And then I Googled this scam. So what they do is they give you the money and then they go to PayPal and they ask for a refund and say, this person scammed you. So then you end up going PayPal. And I was just thinking, this is somebody's full-time life. This is somebody who's going on there every day and finding people who are selling stuff and doing this scam a hundred times a day, as you mentioned, and maybe getting one of them to work a week. How is that? Does that work? Do they make a living? Do they, are they rich? Yeah. I want to know. Start a, we need to start a spinoff show of this where we interview people who just do random stuff and figure out how it works out. I think that would be what I That's really want to do is find a guy who set that Georgia, Tennessee line. I, I think he lives <laughs> in the punk business. I think he's a, a, you know, on a spectrum of some sort and he, I think he's mm -hmm. a sports genius. But I, I want to know how nine was the number that came up. They won by 14, but nine came up when it should have been four, maybe five. Um, there's no way Georgia should have been favored by nine. I think that guy might know more about sports than any of us combined. But I think in the gambling industry, that guy's kept quiet. That guy, you know, but shouldn't there be a 60 minutes thing on him by now? Like, this is the guy who sets the lines for Vegas, you know? I don't know. I'd like to get okay. him on. All right. Well, we got a lot of people. We got a book for future uh, appearances on the and show, Mike. Uh, and, and we're going to do zero of that. I'll hit you up sure. on Tuesday for a podcast. We should have done Sunday night. And I'll hit you up for Mike versus the world because you got a heart out in two minutes. So we got to get out of here. We won't do any of this. None of it. Well, we, you should uh, listen. You should go to Mike's website. What's new with MikeFrailSports.com? New content. What's the article they, they absolutely right. must check out right now? Pretty much an article every hour, it seems, lately. Um, you know, I've got the 10 best coaching fits in order for Nebraska. Uh, spoiler alert, Lance Leopold is number one. Um, I've got the 10 head coaching candidates for Auburn in order. I put Lane Kiffin up there. I don't think he would move to that job, but maybe if he did. Uh, spoiler alert. Dan Lanning's not on there. Well, I think he is, but there was that rumor is quashed. I don't think he's going to Auburn. Um, but the three-point stance, factor fiction, we got a five-star potentially flipping. Dante Moore rumored to be flipping in Michigan State. I've been told that's garbage. It's not going to happen, but he did change his Twitter picture from an Oregon to a, a dark sky or some whatever. Um, we've got five-star commitment coming out for LSU. We've got a five-star decommitting from Texas A&M. Uh, we've got a lot of recruiting stuff up there. We're hammering recruiting. Um, so check it out. Traffic is increasing. Uh, everything's going well. we got sponsors now for the podcast. I mean, it's all coming together. We're still two years away from being any, anything sort of important, but we're, we're heading there. 
Again, MyFrailSports.com. You can bookmark that. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, don't send him nasty DMs, though, unless you want to come on the show. And then, in which case, have at it. But that's Sports on both uh, Facebook. No, you're not on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Are you on Facebook? You should be on Facebook. Yeah, it's Mike Farrell Sports on Facebook, too. I got like 6,000 uh, followers yes. there. I'm on TikTok, too. I'm on the TikTok. Yeah. Oh, boy. Also, YouTube. You should go find him there. Oh, but, I'm I'm gonna let Mike get to his tea time so he doesn't get too cranky, but uh, we'll we'll come no, back can't. soon. Yeah, no, it's one forty-five. It's too late for it's tea time. Forty-eight degrees with fifteen mile an hour winds. I'm gonna go stare at the wall and and wish I was dead. That's what I'm gonna do. Till next time. Dark. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.